You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Every day, we have choices. The choice to get up every morning, to drive to work, to be friendly. The harder choices are when you choose to act, choose to speak up, choose to help, to run into the fire. But all these choices are rooted in something or someone. Who or what informs the choices you make? Your education? Experience? The desire to make a living? The choices we make matter. The most difficult choice we could ever make is the one that brings us the most freedom. Choosing Christ over self. Followers of self listen to the world around them. Followers of self are too busy, too slow, and too distracted to respond. They continually need to unplug and find time for themselves. Followers of Jesus are filled by his teachings. Followers of Jesus act swiftly because they know the difference between needs and wants. Followers of Jesus put others before self and Christ above all. They choose to pick up their cross and follow him daily. So the question is, who are you following? All right, so we're going to look at James chapter 4, and some of what James says is almost like meddling in each of our lives because it's so applicable, but what are you really passionate about? And if you're really passionate about it, does it make a difference in the choices that you make and in the way that you treat people? Uh, the other day, a guy in Florida woke up, woke up to find a Tesla 3 parked in his yard uh, someone had parked the car on this guy's grass without permission and plugged his car into the guy's house for 12 hours to recharge his car without permission. How would you respond to that? Now, I believe in the article on the news thing, uh, the wife said, if I would have been in town, I would have let them have it and demanded restitution. I looked it up. It costs about $6.30 to recharge your Tesla 3. Now, it costs $12 if you've got the biggest tes bigger Tesla or whatever, but it's not free to recharge the car. And I know that some people are really, really particular about parking on their grass. You know, it's like, you're going to kill my grass, get off the grass. Because I actually, when I was a teenager at a youth group thing, did park on somebody's grass, and the loving parent that was so into godly youth yelled at me for parking on his grass. Like, where are your priorities, man? But anyway... So, if you love electric cars, hate oil, and everything like that, you're like, oh, that is so awesome that you did that. I understand that you must have run out of power, that you, you couldn't get anywhere, and maybe you didn't want to wake me up or ask permission or whatever, and way to go, you know. And, you know, if you ever get a fuel, the fossil fuel uh, car or whatever, just feel free to siphon whatever you want out of my tank, because, you know, I'm here for you. 
other people are like, what are you doing? I mean, so you're going to take your extension cord, go over the sidewalk and just take over? What are you going to move in next? What, what are you doing? So they did call the police and eventually they found the owner and whatever. And the, the person, I guess the owner wasn't apologetic at all. He's like, I ran out of power. I couldn't get anywhere. What was I supposed to do? So anyway, so the reason I'm showing you this or saying this is because if you're really passionate about something, it will change the way that you treat people. It will change the way that the things that you do. I mean, maybe if you're really passionate about electric cars, you just put up like a little charging port right in the street, right out in front and say, hey, come on over and charge yourself up. So come on in and get some, get some cookies and some coffee while you, while you, we got a room for you for the 12 hour charge. You know, we just, we're so glad that you got an electric car. So on the other hand, if you're not a fan, then that's not the way you're going to be. But it is the inner conflicts that often cause us the most pain. It's interesting that James was pretty much written to the people in the church, not the unbelievers, not the people, the world, the, the godless heathens, but people in the church had a hard time getting along. And James in chapter 4 talks about four different areas, four different ways that can ruin your relationships and that you can fall into temptation. And I like to, I like to think about this. Uh, people are watching. People are always watching. If you say you're a Christian at work, people are watching to see how you respond in certain situations. People that don't like Christians get overjoyed when you flip out and start swearing and cussing and slamming things and everything because they just, it's pretty awesome. It's like, let's push his buttons and make that happen again. But picture yourself and someone's watching. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's your grandkids. Four ways to give in to temptation and ruin your relationships while others are watching. Uh, one, give in to inner conflict. Two, uh, angry outbursts. Start war with people. Um, love the world more than God, number three. And number four, not resisting the devil. If my voice lasts, that's what I wanted to highlight. Now, interestingly enough, I did have a little girl in my life who's grown up now, but when she was little, uh, I was out in the front yard, and I was doing something, I don't know if I was cleaning the car or whatever, and the Jehovah Witnesses came along, and they were talking to me, and so I was talking to them, and I said, well, if I had my Bible, I'd show you, and I heard this little voice from the screen window say, I'll get your Bible, Daddy, and it was on, but people are watching, and people care, and we do not want to fall into these four areas that can totally destroy relationships. Uh, disappoint God and even disappoint ourselves. But if you look at these four areas, these are so easy to fall into because these are areas that are part of our lives, the things that we strive for, the things that we want. So verse 1, James 4, 1, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? The evil conflict. Sometimes we're tempted by Satan and sometimes it's just the evil within us. But that conflict is when we want what we want. I mean, we want to be first, or we want that position, or we want to be comfortable, or we want our stuff, or we want whatever it is, and it's like, mine, me, don't try to take that from me. I want to be the boss. I want to be the leader. I want to be the driver. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. You want it, and you're going to do whatever you can to get it, to make it happen. And when that doesn't happen, 
then you get really upset or you get really motivated or you start, well, some people start plotting and strategizing and they're going to do whatever it takes to get it done. There's other people, I don't know what their deal is. They're like, well, you know, I guess it just wasn't meant to be, so they don't do anything. They don't do any of that. They just sit there. That's not me at all. But don't give in to the inner conflict because it can destroy your life. The inner conflict that uh, you need to check yourself and figure out, okay, why are you so upset? Why is it that you're so passionate and upset about this? And there are certain things to be upset about and to be passionate about. So I have looked over my life and realized God's been very faithful. And there's times as a Christian that I've been too nice. So people have asked me questions and I've been too nice when it comes to the things of God. Or when it came to being mistreated, uh, there's turning the other cheek and there's being too nice. And so yesterday, I did this in love. I did this, I didn't blow up or anything like this, but I felt the need to do this. So I pulled into the local gas station. And as I was coming around the gas pump, I saw a man a little older than me take his lit cigarette butt and flick it into the driveway of the gas station. And I stopped, and I'm like, did you just flick your lit cigarette butt in a gas station on the ground? Yeah, what about it? I said, when I was a kid out on a farm, we were playing around, and we took some gas from the farm gas tank. And we put it way on the other side of the road. And we just put a little bit of it there, because we just wanted to watch it burn. Actually, that wasn't my idea, but this is what we did. It was my friend's idea. So lit that little fire, and it shot across the road, and up the farm gas tank, and the whole hose was on fire, and the whole tank was on fire. I didn't tell him, you know, in detail. But the first thing we thought we should do is run away, because our lives are over, right? So, but we're in the middle of nowhere, so we ran, I don't know, a quarter mile, and then ran back. And so we got to take responsibility. Let's get a garden hose and try to put this gas fire out with water. That didn't work either. Fortunately, the valve was shut off, so the hose just burnt up. And uh, I think we both got grounded for like two weeks, and we had to both pay $60 for the hose. I didn't get all those details, but I did say that um, you don't know where gas has been and, you know, things could catch on fire. Things could blow up. I'm pretty sure there's a sign right there that says it's against the law to smoke a cigarette while you're pumping your gas. And then I went on my way and he did all he could do to avoid me at the gas station as far as I could tell. I didn't say it meanly. It was just kind of like, Somebody needs to be schooled. Let's, let's do a community service here and talk about that. So I believe Dan, as the safety man, would be very proud of me. So maybe I help save lives in the future. Who knows? But it was something that you know, I felt I needed to do. Sometimes God puts things on your heart that you need to do. Sometimes you just see an injustice or a need or something wrong, and you just do something about it, and it's just who you are. You see somebody stuck on the side of the road, and you offer to help. Uh, all these things you do. Actually, I did that yesterday, too. There was an older couple in a convertible that was stopped at the stop sign, and I, I pulled over. With my, I had my flasher lights on, my hazard lights on, see if I could help them get their car going again. And so, anyway, but it's just who you are. It's just what you do. You, you do things from who you are on the inside. As you're growing more and more in Christ, your inners change. You're being renewed by having Scripture flow through your life. They've got the Holy Spirit in you, and hopefully... The inner you is not so conflicted, and the inner you is able to yield in certain situations, not give in to the inner conflict. Romans 6.12 says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. So 
Think about what you got on the inside. Hopefully you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've got Jesus in you and the Holy Spirit in you and you're being transformed and changed. And the stuff that comes out out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the things that come out of your mouth, the actions that you do, the things that you're passionate about, they are uh, rooted in Christ. And hopefully you are a way, a way different person than you used to be because Christ is in you and you've got the fruits of the Spirit flowing through you. So Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, again, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And so we walk in the Lord's strength and we realize that we're in a spiritual battle and maybe the things that we are into, uh, the uh, inner conflict, is based upon uh, outside forces sometime. Maybe we've been taught wrong, or, uh, but remember to be strong in the Lord. And hopefully that doesn't lead to angry outbursts. You ever had an angry outburst? Sometimes I do, and I feel real bad about it. One time I got angry and I hit the back of my car. The, the door hit me in the head, so I decided to punish the car. Left a dent in the trunk, but I put a bumper sticker over it that said, the next time the devil reminds you of his past, remind him of his future. Covered up the dent real nice, actually. But angry outbursts, James 4.2. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want, what, you want only what will give you pleasure. So people have stuff, like I mentioned before, and so you're doing everything that you can to get it, and you're willing to like, go to war with this person. Now, I don't know if when James writes this, if people in the church were really killing each other. I mean, like a church sniper out there saying, I don't like him, I want to be head usher, I'm going to take him out. Probably figurative, like when Jesus says that um, you know, when you um, call somebody an uh, uh, insulting name, uh, a curse that, it's like killing them. But anyway, whether you're killing them or feeling like killing them or figurative or whatever, um, you get jealous of what others have and you do everything you can to try to get it. You do everything you can to make it yours. You do everything to take it away from them. You do everything you can to put yourself first. But the question you have to ask yourself is what you want is what you, you are scheming to get. Is it what God has for you? Is it what God wants for you? Whatever you pray for, whatever you're asking for, uh, First, you should take it to the Lord and pray for it. If you need something, want something, have a desire, pray for it. Put it in God's hands. Maybe God doesn't want you to be the boss. Maybe God doesn't want you to be that leader. Maybe he doesn't want you uh, to have a certain thing because he knows that it might um, draw you away from him. But um, sometimes when you pray and ask God, he knows your motives are wrong because it's for your greed. It's for your selfishness. It's for... Um, the things that will give you pleasure or pride. For instance, there might come a time in your life when you need a truck. There might become a time when you need four-wheel drive. But do you need a truck uh, that has a big lift kit that uh, you know, just looks awesome so everybody can say, dude, you must be awesome because your truck's awesome. Can I be your friend? Um, so that is a thing, but that's not probably what God has for you. I watch a lot of that dry bar comedy stuff. Sometimes I actually have the channel or the description, but it shows up on YouTube and stuff. And this one guy, 
just stated it so perfectly. I think it's become a life philosophy now for me. He's like, I could stand to lose 15 pounds, but I don't want to, and I'm not going to, because the pounds make me more personable, so I can relate to others better, and they're more likely to want to be my friend, instead of being strong and ripped and intimidating. I'm like, yes, finally, one of, one of the secrets to life that wasn't in the Bible. Anyway, so angry outbursts are often caused by the fact that you want something so bad. And if you have an anger problem, you got to figure out what it is that's causing it. What is it that is the motive? Are you really trusting God? Are you praying about things? Are you totally content to take what God gives you and not have to have all the other stuff? Because angry outbursts can destroy your life. Uh, I like to play a game with some people. It's kind of like name that tune, but it's like, how few words would it take for you to get fired from your job? Could you do it in six words? What about five? I could do it in four. So, and then you just try to string out those words of what you could say to the person that's in charge to see if you could get fired. So it's really easy today. It used to be harder years ago, but now you can just say a couple words and get fired, maybe even sued. But beware of angry outbursts. They can destroy your life. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money, they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient, at their, of their, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So what I see there, church people do that. If we've got that going on in the church, and we've got visitors coming to the church with spiritual needs, and you guys can't get along, or you're, or you're backbiting, or feuding, or having inner conflict issues, or cliques, or whatever it is, that doesn't work in God's family. So we need to, to be humble, and put God first, and to know that our relationships matter like a ripple uh, effect, uh, matters in the way that uh, people see us. Uh, hopefully, we will always be a church that loves and cares for people, and people would know that. But, all right, number three, loving the world. Loving the world. Now, I don't really know anybody that says, I just love the world, but actually, we do love the things of the world. James 4, 4, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning, that they say that God is passionate, that the Spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So loving the things of the world. So people that want to build their career so that they can get the recognition and the fame and the money to buy stuff and uh, so that they can um, be recognized and that people will, will think they're great and they'll just they'll fit in and everything about it will be just so wonderful. They'll be They'll be popular, and everybody will want to be their friend, and uh, they have all the latest, greatest stuff, and they chase after the latest labels so that people will look at them and go, oh, aren't you awesome because you wear that brand. And I'm not saying that we should all dress weird and uh, whatever, and I've had issues with this in the past. Um, there are certain things about living in the world that are just, you know, especially in like junior high and high school and peer pressure and everything. So there was a time when my uh, dad wasn't making a lot of money and we didn't have any money and I needed shoes. So he took me to Kmart and said, well, pick out a pair of those $5 things. And I did. And I went to school with those. 
And I tried to laugh it off and say, oh, I'm starting a new trend. Oh, yeah, pretty soon everybody will be wearing these shoes. And they weren't then. Weird thing is about six, seven years ago, they actually were wearing those shoes. Who knew that was coming? But I just so hated the fact that people were pointing me out because of what I was wearing. And it wasn't in a good way at all. And so I was kind of praying about it and really concerned about it and didn't know what to do about it. And my friend, kind of a friend, uh, saw my pain. He's like, Tyan, those shoes look ridiculous. I don't know what you're thinking. I'm like, I'm not thinking anything. It's, I don't have any money. And anyway, so he said, come here. He says, what size do you wear? I told him. He opens up his closet and he's got, I don't know what, like 24 different pairs of shoes. He's like, why don't you pick a pair? They fit, you can have them. I'm like, okay. And I did. I like those shoes so much that in art class, they said, draw a picture or something. I drew a picture of my shoe, and it was awesome. And so, but in the things of the world, you think about the things that really matter, but you got to ask yourself, do you love it more than God? Because, yeah, you need to dress uh, a certain way, you know, because you don't want to be rejected because of it. But on the other hand, you don't want to be um, prideful because of the things that you wear or drive or of the possessions that you have, and God can bless you with a lot of possessions, and you can be humble and godly, or God can um, be in your life, and you could be acquiring a lot of possessions and a lot of debt, and just so in love with the world. In 1 John 2.15, it says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So, I mean, we talk about um, the possessions that we have. Guys are always talking about cars they used to have or whatever. Um, um, lust of the eyes, that can be a real problem. Lust of the flesh uh, and the pride of life. So all of these different things are worldly, uh, not necessarily of God. So you've got to find a balance there because God does allow us to enjoy life. God does allow us to have things and have experience and stuff. But are those experiences... Uh, do we love it more than God? Because if God sees that we love the stuff more than we love Him, then we are adulterers. So we're in this marriage relationship as Christians with Jesus, and if you love the world more than Jesus, then you are cheating. You are an adulterer. So um, uh, this guy from uh, Christian Financial Concepts, um, it's a Christian ministry. Uh, actually, it's called Crown Financial Ministries now talks about this. Watch this. Here's in my life, I've dedicated myself to knowing what God's Word says about money. And the most important thing that uh, I share in the book is that God's definition of being rich is totally different than the world's definition. In fact, if you have that definition wrong, then almost every decision that you're going to make will lead you in the wrong direction. We have to know what it means to be truly rich from God's perspective and not man's. Let me give you a practical example. The Bible says that wisdom is of greater value than gold. I take that literally. That's a truth that you can take to the bank. Wisdom means the skillful application of God's truth, meaning that you actually put it into practice. You make wise choices. And in my book, The Root of Riches, I help people to see that the world has its set of rules and regulations and philosophies that do not lead to wisdom. In fact, if that's your source for riches, you need lots of gold. But if God's truth is your source for wisdom, 
then you have something better than gold. It's not going to rust or be stolen or ever let you down in a crisis. So God has his economy and man has his. And in fact, they're almost inverted. Uh, man's economy is a top-down economy where you have to climb the ladder and acquire more wealth and more power to have influence. But in, in God's economy, it's bottom-up. It esteems those who are humble, who are meek, who actually come to serve instead of to uh, be served. It esteems those who have the right heart attitude. It points out even uh, those without resources who are doing the things that please God, like the widow who put in all she had. Uh, when you look at that from a world standpoint, most financial advisors would say that's the dumbest financial advice in the world, to put in all you have into God's kingdom, to put your last two coins into uh, supporting the church. But God called his disciples together and said, I want you to notice her. She'll be remembered for all time. She didn't put in a large amount, but she put in all that she had, even what she had in her 401k. That's how radical God's economy is from man's economy. In my book, The Root of Riches, you'll see that once we apply these truths to our lives, we produce the fruit that God wants to enrich the entire world. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering. Those are the things that bring the riches of Christ to others. It's a, it's a tree that bears fruit that lays up for ourselves treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth. And I say in my book, if the good tree dies, the tree that bears the fruit that Christ wants to share with the world through you, then we're all going to be in poverty. Hell will come to earth when all man has is money. That's another one of those videos that's available on that Right Now Media service we offer you. Just need to take your email address and plug that in on our, on our website, and then you get access to all their videos. So, um, so he became the founder of uh, Crown Financial Ministries. He writes books, obviously. But putting God first with your resources, with your finances, with your life, uh, really makes a difference. And putting God first when we live in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. We live and we try to reach out to people, but yet we're not supposed to love the world and the world system and the world philosophy and the things uh, more than God. So there'll be a time when we have to stand up and say, God's word says this, so therefore I reject that. I'm not going to follow you in this because that's not godly. Uh, that might be the way the whole world is going, but me as a Christ follower, I'm following Christ. This world is not my home. I'm a citizen of heaven and I am going to do all I can to make a difference while I'm here. And then number four, number four, the trickiest one of all, is when Satan tempts us and tricks us. Uh, verse seven, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be a sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. And Satan will do everything he can to trick you, to get you to fall into something. You might not even realize it. One of the greatest things that can trick a pastor or a godly person is when Satan allows you to be so busy doing things that seem they matter that you're not really pursuing your relationship with Christ. You're so busy working for God that you're not spending any time in your relationship with God. Maybe you're so busy doing other things that you don't spend any time reading God's Word. Maybe you're so uh, busy 
And it almost seems like Satan helps you to be successful at the things you're busy with to keep you from doing the important things. Or you develop relationships with people and you really like those relationships. You started those relationships thinking, I want to become that person's friend. I want to lead that person to Christ because that's what friends do. I want to help that person grow in Christ. And uh, as the relationship develops, you're like, well, I don't really want to share Christ with them because it might ruin the relationship. And I really like this guy and he's got an awesome bass boat and he likes to take me fishing. I don't want to ruin that, God, sorry. But it's just all these little temptations out there that draw us away. Sometimes it's just our heart's desire isn't there because we're not tuned in to the things of God. And we need to repent. If we're following after the things of the world, if we repent, if we humble ourselves uh, in the sight of the Lord, He will lift us up. Uh, God wants us to stand before Him with humility. God wants us to uh, serve Him knowing that we can't do it on our own, but we can do all things through Christ. The Holy Spirit can empower us to be successful. Uh, we need to resist Satan. We need to resist the devil and his temptations. Um, there's more verses I could share, but I will stop with that. But anyway, so these four areas can trip us up and keep us from living an effective Christian life. If we don't keep like track of what's going on in our life, if we don't keep track of our motives, we could end up spending our life and then being disappointed and wishing that we had made better choices or wishing that we were more in control or wishing we hadn't valued the things of the world so much wishing that we would have put God first and entrusted Him, entrusted Him to provide what we needed and trusted Him when He didn't provide uh, the things that we thought we wanted because He had a better plan. It's a lot easier to look back actually in your life and see how God worked things out perfectly than it is to be sitting there wondering why God isn't answering your prayer. It's like, God, where are you? Why aren't you answering my prayer? But then as time goes on, sometimes you can look back and say, oh, I see what you're doing there. Or maybe you'll be in heaven with Jesus, and Jesus will say, hey, you know what? What you went through was not even your choice. It was a result of someone else's choices, and it was hard, but I helped you get through it, and I encouraged you, and you encouraged others. Um, and you'll go, oh, it's true you did. So anyway, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we can gather together in this place and worship you. Lord, I thank you that we get to come here every week, and I pray that the people would be encouraged. I pray that they would take something out of what I said or what your word said or maybe what the Holy Spirit put on their heart and that it would change them. This week, I pray if anybody here hasn't received you as their Lord and Savior, that they would realize that we're all sinners and we need to be forgiven and that they would pray something like, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please come into my life and save me and make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow after you. And for us Christ followers, Lord, I pray that you would point out things in our life that are not on track. Uh, love for the world, or giving into temptation, or wrong motives, uh, Lord, that you would help us in those areas. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand as we sing our way out this morning. The song, Greater Things, talks about uh, in the middle, I will not fear for you are with me. I see this fight from the victory. And as Pastor Chris has talked about uh, giving into inner conflict, uh, one of the things I want you to realize is that all of those four things we need each other for. So uh, last week when I preached on, on the uh, spiritual armor, I had an illustration that I threw in the back and I didn't use it. And I talked about Superman. Superman is the guy who wears his underwear on the outside and his leotard and his cape. His enemy knows his weakness. And his weakness is kryptonite. And when he's in the presence of kryptonite, he can't save himself. 
Somebody else has to take it from him. When we're struggling with angry outbursts and all those things, having somebody come alongside of us is one of the things that God wants us to do to help us and to strengthen us. That's important for us to be together as a church, to be involved in small groups, to find somebody that you can trust as a prayer partner, to, an accountability partner to, to bring strength into your life. And then through that, we can see God do greater things. Thanks for listening. We invite you to visit River Rock Church 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find resources to help you grow in your faith, give online to support this ministry, and share your prayer requests with us at riverrockchurch.com. May God bless you. Share Jesus with others this week.